Hello, my name's Gary. And my name is Simon. And this is episode 32 of EV Musings, a podcast about electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On today's show, we'll be talking about the Hyundai Kona in our continuing series on the EVs that you can purchase today. But before we get started, I wanted to bring you up to date with some podcast statistics. We're now on episode 32. Uh, We've got 31 out there. And overall, people have downloaded our episodes 4,149 times, which I find (laughs) incredible. That's across all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, etc. Our most popular episode is still number 20, the round table from the end of last season, followed by episode 24, your first day with an EV. And episode 28, which was 2019, the year in review. These three episodes alone account for over 500 downloads. (laughs) That's madness. You crazy people. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for listening to us. If you like what you hear, feel free to retweet us and recommend us to friends and family. And as always, if you have an idea for an upcoming podcast episode, let us know. Links to contact us are in the show notes. Also, some follow-up to last week's episode about charger apps. We mentioned that neither ZapMap nor PlugShare have Android or Apple Play integration. However, one of our listeners, and I cannot remember who it was, so apologies if that's the case, pointed out that ZapMap has integration with the Google Assistant. Uh, You can say, hey Google, talk to ZapMap, and it will connect, and the system will then prompt you to decide whether you want to locate either a nearby charger or a charger on the way to your destination. It sounds like a pretty cool piece of functionality, and apologies for not picking it up in our original episode. And our feature topic this week, we're going to talk about the Kona. So we've talked in this series so far about the i3, the Kia Soul, the Nissan Leaf, the Renault Zoe, the I-Pace, and the Model S. Now we're on to what, to me, is one of the most exciting of the current range of vehicles on the market. The Kona is Hyundai's second full battery electric vehicle, or BEV, um, although it does come in hybrid and plug-in versions. The first effort was a fabulous Hyundai Ioniq, which is still one of the most efficient EVs on the market today. Uh, The problem with the Ioniq is that it has quite a small battery and quite a limited range. Although I was in an Ioniq recently, and I I seem to think it had something like 176 miles of charge left, after travelling 52 miles already, which is quite impressive. It must have been going downhill in a 30-mile zone for hours, but there we go. Well, anyway, to solve this issue, Hyundai went big. Bigger car, bigger price, and a much bigger battery. We'll go through the specs in a minute, but the Kona is one of the first mass-produced non-Tesla EVs to easily do 300 miles on a charge. This hits that mythical tipping point of EV versus ICE parity. I know my old Honda Civic 2 litre would do about 300 miles on a tank of fuel, and that never felt to be anxiety producing. (laughs) So let's just go through some of the base statistics on this. Simon, how much does the Kona cost, the 64 kilowatt hour one? So the 64 kilowatt hour Kona in the United Kingdom is £32,845 or in the Netherlands, €40,995. So not exactly cheap, but you get a reasonable amount of car for the money. Yeah, I mean, the UK, if you think 32000 it's it's starting to creep towards that more reasonable car, shall we say. It's still not, like I said, it's still not cheap, but it's um, it's not expensive, expensive. From a range point of view, we've got anywhere between 175 and... 
It could be up to 370, depending on what the weather's like and how fast you're driving. Uh, as a general rule, if you're doing a combined cold weather run, you're probably looking about 205 miles on a charge. If you're doing a combined mild weather run, probably about 285. Obviously, if you keep your speed down or if you're not on the motorways or if the weather's a bit warmer, you'll hit that 300 miles without any problem. What's the performance like? So the performance, we've got acceleration of 0 to 62 miles an hour in 7.6 seconds. So it's, it's not exactly a slouch. Top speed of 104 miles per hour. And total power, 150 kilowatt or 201 HP. Horsepower. We've got total torque. 291 pound feet, which is a bizarre um, yeah. measure. Don't know what it means, but I believe no. 291 is not bad. Then we're moving on to battery and charging. Gary, talk us through the battery and charging. There are two versions of this, of the Kona. The one we're looking at at the moment is the top battery size, which is, uh, we call it the 64 kilowatt hour one, but it's actually 67.1 kilowatt hours with a usable 64. So that has a little bit of buffer at the top and the bottom to protect the battery. The charge port is in the middle at the front, and it's a Type 2, which will charge... 7.2 kilowatt giving you about 23 miles per hour of charge it's a ccs rapid charge which will top out at 77 kilowatts giving you a 0 to 80 percent in about 44 minutes topping out at 230 miles of range per hour Um, but as with all of these the big figures that we need to be looking at is not necessarily the range but it's the consumption so take us through the consumption figures simon Vehicle consumption is approximately 260 watt-hours per mile. The rated consumption is 245 watt-hours per mile. And the vehicle consumption, 225 watt-hours per mile. And then we move on to the real energy consumption. So talk us through that, Gary. Well, again, you've got city and highway, cold weather and uh, mild weather. But if we take the combined... A cold weather combined run on this is probably about 310 watt-hours per mile, which is, you know, again, it's up and above the the Ionic, and Mm -hmm. it's around the same, I believe, as as the Model 3, uh, which is not bad at all. If you you go into the mild weather, we're down to 220 watt-hours per mile, Um, and obviously with these, the uh, smaller the figure, the better. Uh, the charge curve on this peaks at 40% with the 77 kilowatt charging, and then you get a step down approximately every 15% until it hits 78% state of charge, at which point you'll be receiving about 25 kilowatts, and it trails off from there. It's not a great charge curve in the big scheme of things, but it can take advantage of both the Ionity and the BP Chargemaster high-powered chargers. So we like the Kona because it's one of the first non-Tesla vehicles to make people think that range isn't an issue. Alongside the Kia e-Niro, it has hit the sweet spot for price versus range. Any car nowadays that can get over 250 miles of range in any weather has to be considered on par with a nice vehicle. In terms of removing charger anxiety from potential owners, the fact that this vehicle also has reasonably fast charging, also removes a fear of spending forever hooked into a charger. However, as with all EVs, there are issues that have come up relating to this car. One of the main ones is availability. For whatever reason, Hyundai have limited the number of models coming into this country, the UK, um, and presumably 
Uh, they've done a similar thing in some of the other countries around Europe and the, the rest of the world. This has created eight, 10 and 12 month plus waiting times for delivery. <laughs> And this is obviously having a knock-on effect on resale values. You can now sell a used Kona for not much lower than the price you paid for it, especially with fairly low mileage. And that's great if you decided you really wanted a Tesla and needed to get rid of your Kona. But it's not so great if you're not happy waiting 12 months and you want a car and you're driving the next couple of days. You're basically going to get it, but you're going to have to pay a premium for it. It's worth noting at this point as well that actually a couple of people I've spoken to actually sold their first Kona for more than they paid for it. And then went and bought another one for a less price. So they actually made a killing on it, like initially, which, you know, you, you either like that or you don't. But Have they actually taken delivery of it or have they sold the actual yeah. order? No, no they, they actually took delivery of it, sold it for about two grand more, and then got another one. I don't know how they got another one because, like you said, it's in short supply. And made about two grand profit on it. Easy money at the rope factory, isn't it? Indeed. <laughs> The Kona does not have an app, at least not in the UK. If it's anything like the Kia, which is a sister company, they will have the technology to implement it, but not actually have turned it on. Apps are available for Kia products in North America, for example. As far as the Kona is concerned, the issue with not having an app is twofold. First, you can't remotely preheat the vehicle. If you want to switch on the heating or call in in the vehicle to make the car comfortable before you drive off, you literally have to sit in your car and switch it on. Oh, the the indignity of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> the other one is to track how a charge is doing. If, you're left, if you've left your car on a 7 or 22 kilowatt charger for a couple of hours, it's always useful to see if the vehicle is still charging while you wind your way around Selfridges or M&S. With an app, you can do this. Without an app, you have to go back and physically check the car. I'm not sure why there is no app in the UK, but there you go. It's it's interesting, isn't it? The number of uh, companies out there that have an app in one country and you, you come to the UK and there's there's no related app. I believe it's something to do with getting deals aligned or signed up with specific mm. telephone uh, operators to actually provide the connectivity to the app. Mind you, even then you get someone like Nissan and their app doesn't tend to work that much anyway, does it? So. Just seem, it just seems crazy. I mean, it just seems like that's almost part and parcel of an EV now. You, like I know if I was buying an EV next, which I obviously will, I'd expect an app or some kind of remote functionality to be able to check those things. But certainly the, the preheating and the, the pre-cool down has been a godsend. It has to be said, and I'm going a little bit off script here, uh, there are third-party companies that will provide that kind of mm. application and functionality for the uh, for the vehicle i'll see if i can find out one of those and put a link into it uh, in the show notes but obviously it's very much buyer beware on that because you don't know what you're getting into and um it's not officially approved by either kia or hyundai or whichever other companies don't have apps in the uk but are provided for by these third parties we put a call out on twitter for anyone with feedback related to their kona Twitter user Danny Lewis responded with a sage-like tweet saying, bit odd to have to press so many buttons to get in and out. <laughs> he also mentioned that he finds the Kona quite light uh, on the front end and it can lose traction fairly easily. Overall, he was really happy with it and rated it four out of five stars. We've also heard anecdotal data that the Kona can be a little cramped in the rear, especially if you have uh, longer legs. And I got an email earlier on today from Peter Hoare, who's a, um, a Leaf driver and founder of the Hampshire EV Group. And he said, 
The PNDR selector is a set of buttons in the center console and it's quite fumbly finding the right button, particularly when reversing out of a space and you have to switch from one to the other. It also will not allow you to switch whilst rolling, which is annoying. You have to come to a complete stop before changing between reverse and drive. And on the leaf, which he has, you can change it on the fly. So not too many bad things to say about the uh, no. about the Kona there. Um, in summary, the Kona, like its sister car, the Key E Nero, it's the first of the second generation EVs that have relatively low costs for a relatively high range. Owners tend to like them a lot, although supply issues have stymied the number of Konas in the country. So let's wrap it up by seeing if there's some cool EV or renewable thing we've come across that we can share with our listeners. So for me, I wanted to um, touch upon really what seems to be those promised cars that we were uh, that were announced really some time ago now, and being actually properly shown to the general public. And by that I mean the VW ID3 and the e Honda. So VW has obviously been showing, have been showing this week, I believe, uh, pre-order people their ID3 or a, a model of the ID3, uh, and that's due out later this year. But it gave uh, people that had pre-ordered the car ability to get a bit of hands-on walk around the car see how big it is in person which i thought was a was a really good move by them probably a sensible move in in the you know in the fact that they had the whole diesel gate thing they're kind of trying to make good i think and you know let's hope that these are reliable cars at an affordable price you've obviously this week and i think as we're recording this podcast the e-honda's press embargo and review embargo has been lifted so the reviews are starting to come in and they seem quite favorable so far but again like the id i i just can't wait to see these kind of first hand out in the world it's seems like 2020 will be the real world of you know the ev we've had a, obviously a couple of really good years of ev um, sales but it's been very limited i think in terms of types of cars or different manufacturers now it seems all the ones that we'd been promised over the last two or three years um, certainly with vw you know they announced these raft of cars that they're supposedly going to produce and this is obviously their, their first so it's nice that it actually has been produced and it's now not necessarily getting into people's hands yet but actually they can physically see what it's like in the real world yeah i think that's a good thing because i don't know about you but i've had a number of conversations either you know over social media or in person uh, with people who said uh, you know, I really want an EV, but there isn't the one that will fit my sort of lifestyle. And I say, well, what's that? And they say, well, I have a big dog and I have four children and, you know, we need something that will tow a trailer and it's got to be able to do a reasonable range and it hasn't got to cost as much as a Model X. So, you yeah. know, there is definitely a number of market segments that are not being well treated by EVs at the moment and I think as we start mm. to get the 2020 rollout uh, particularly with someone like VW who are looking at a whole range of different uh, vehicles in their ID range um, yeah. I think those segments will start to become better served uh, throughout the next year 18 months two years maybe yeah I think this is definitely the starting year really of almost like mass production cars that are not Tesla Michael Thing is Rivian. We haven't talked about them for a couple of weeks, so yes. I thought I'd bring those back. They've recently announced that the new EVs will be lower priced than originally expected. The US price will now be $68,000 for the truck and $72,000 for the SUV. Not entirely sure how much lower those are than the original ones, but, you know, mm. 
when you're up at that um, that price, <laughs> anything that you can shave off there just to just to, to give a little bit of a discount for the uh, yeah. people who are having to pay all that money, <laughs> it's better. They've also said, and this is what I found interesting, that Rivian was working on rolling out a network of charging stations at key locations such as Ooh. national parks. Now, if they take the you know, the Ingenie or the Instavolt route, which is we're putting these out there and they're fixed price and everyone can do it. That's good. If they're taking the Ionity and Tesla route, which is you have to be able to drive, you have to be driving a Rivian or it's going to be incredibly expensive, then that's probably not going to be so good. But uh, keep your eyes out on that. We'll see what happens. And that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. A quick shout out to the guys at the Yorkshire EV Group who held their first meet of the year last weekend. Great event, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Um, I'm only saying that because they said they like to sit down at lunch and uh, it's just the right length of a podcast while he's eating his sandwich, one of them. So hi to you and uh, thanks for uh, listening to us. If you want to contact us, Simon is at the EV side on Twitter and YouTube. And I'm the real Gary C on Twitter. If you want an equipped reference book to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. We're available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it makes us feel loved and helps us know we're not shouting into the void here. Finally, I want to leave you with an EV thought for the week. The charging infrastructure will never be as bad going forward as it is today. Every day from here on in, it will improve. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.